Welcome to SEL Unfiltered. If you are a teacher, counselor, or educator looking for additional SEL resources and encouragement, you are in the right place. Stick around to empower the SEL guide in you. This week, we are starting our series on overcoming the impact of COVID. This series, we are looking at the impact of COVID on SEL skills and how to recover and excel from those deficits. Today's episode, we are going to play a classic hangman. We will review what the research is showing concerning the impact of COVID on SEL skills, and we will finish things off by answering our question of the day. I am your host, Michelle Shepard, and I am joined today by my trusty co-host, Caitlin Baldwin. We are just two middle school counselors in the trenches wanting to share our unfiltered SEL tips and tricks that we have learned and developed over the years with you. All right, guys, let's talk about the nitty gritty impact of COVID on SEL skills. So let's first say we are finally, finally back to in-person learning. Oh, we love that. Oh, my goodness. All educators are doing a big sigh of relief right here, right? Oh. Oh, thankfully. So we're thinking our students should be fine, right? We're back in school doing what we used to do. They should be totally fine. Wrong. Wrong, wrong, wrong. We did the best we could during the pandemic to provide our students, our kids, and ourselves, right? But there's only so much we could do during such an unknown period of time. It was a challenge. It was so challenging. So now we know our the truth of it all. Our students are behind academically, socially, emotionally, and this is impacting their mental health. And that's something we need to talk about. Yeah, it's a real problem that we're seeing every day. So we're going to we're going to talk about it today. Right. But first, but first, game time. Woo-hoo. So today we're going to go back to an old classic and we're going to play a little game of hangman. Yes. If you don't know what hangman is, hangman is either a word or a phrase that is marked out just with dashes where the letters have disappeared. And the object of the game is to guess the letters before you draw a full hangman. So I have drawn out some letters and Caitlin is going to guess. If you want to play along, the first word has three letters. The second word has three letters. And the third word has seven letters. Okay. All right. On to the guessing. I'm going to start with A. A is the first letter of the second word and the first letter of the last word. E. Last letter of the second word. Last letter of the last word and the third letter of the last word. R. Middle letter. Of the second word. So the second word is R, Mm -hmm. A-R-E. I think I know the last word. So I'm going to say a W. (gasps) Second letter of the last word. S. O. And an O in the middle of the first word. Okay. Awesome. So the second word is R and the last word is awesome. The first word is blank. O blank. How about a U? Man. And a Y. You didn't even get one letter wrong. <laughs> it says, you are awesome. 
You're like hangman queen. I just crushed that. That's because you play that game on your phone. What is that game called? Oh, I don't remember, but yes. Well, and hangman is such a fun thing to do with your students. I know um, myself when I was doing lunch duty and the kids were still stuck in the classrooms, which if you're an educator, you totally understand how painful that was because they're in a classroom all day and then they had to eat lunch in the classroom. So they were a bit stir crazy. And when you're like, hey, keep sitting in your seat, even to eat lunch, (laughs) that did not always go well. Right. That was that was a rough time. It was very hard. So we used to play hangman on the whiteboard and the kids always loved that and they would take turns going up and writing the phrase oh nice did you ever have any inappropriate phrases i didn't surprisingly i didn't the kids were always they're probably just happy to play they were just excited to play games so good yeah yeah but what did you do with your hangman game oh yes so one game in particular this is when i was pregnant with my First and only child right now. Um, It was to the point in the pregnancy where I should tell the kids because I was getting a little bit round. Um, (laughs) So I did a hangman that said, I'm having a baby. And it took them a while to guess it. But when they did, they were like screaming with joy and so excited. So hangman's a fun game you can play in your classroom even to like share exciting news. Like That's a, a great idea. Yeah. It could be anything. Like maybe you're throwing a pizza party for your kids or something. I don't know. Oh, like, we haven't had a pizza party at school in a long time. Yeah, that sounds good. Pizza sounds good. But it would be a fun game to play. Even at the end of the day, waiting for buses. Ooh. You could play Hangman. Great idea. You can also introduce the topic of the day with Hangman. Yeah. So if you're doing an SEL skill on regulating your emotions maybe you your word is box breathing or any topic if you're an english teacher and maybe you introduce the title of your new book or if you're a history teacher introduce the concept that you're learning that day so you can really diversify the game for sure okay moving on the impact of covid on sel skills getting down to it So first, let's talk about mental health. And I'm going to just read you a few statistics, a few quotes that we found while we were doing some research. So the American Academy of Pediatrics, the American Academy of Child and Adolescent Psychiatry, and the Children's Hospital Association have joined together to declare a national state of emergency in children's mental health. So even all of these organizations, not just us in the schools, are really recognizing that COVID had a major impact on the mental health of our students. And so according to the CDC, even during 2020, the proportion of mental health related emergency department visits among adolescents aged 12 to 17 years increased 31% compared with that during 2019. So that is a 31% increase of actual emergency room visits from our students for mental health reasons. So that would be, you know, attempted suicide, self-harm, um, actual suicide, or just really strong feelings of suicide. And I guess it would depend on the area where you live. I know where we live, we have a lot of mental health resources where parents can take their students to a crisis center instead of to the emergency room, but that might not be the case everywhere. And those crisis centers were getting full. So I know that there were many kids because of the beds were full uh, for the mental health locations that they spent a night or two just in the emergency room before they could get admitted because they 
they weren't safe enough to go home with their family. So it was definitely. That's huge. Yeah. It was a difficult time. It's a big deal. But so what are we seeing in the classroom? I know for me, I'm seeing a lot more anxiety and just general overall anxiety. It's not necessarily specific to I didn't get my homework done or I'm not doing well enough on my grades, but just an overall level of anxiety that just being at school is creating anxiety. Being around people is causing mm-hmm. anxiousness. I totally agree. We as like a human race, I feel like got so used to being more isolated and yeah. introverted. Even if we were extroverted, we've become more introverted being at home. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know I have kids who struggle to get out of the car just to walk into the school building and they're great students yeah. and they have friends and they're in extracurriculars. Like they have it all going, but they're still struggling. Yeah. I know at the beginning of the year when we came back, we had students, I felt like I was in a kindergarten because we had students crying, wrapping arms and legs around their parent, crying, please don't leave me, don't leave me. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh my gosh, what happened? Like, yeah, it's, it's an, ec- what is the word? Epidemic. Epidemic. That's the yeah. word. It's a lot. It it's is a lot. lot. And then not to mention the depression, the self-harm and the suicide. I would say I do suicide screens multiple times a week now mm-hmm. for legit real right. threats of suicide not the i'm bored in math and i've typed to my friend i want to kill myself or i wish i was dead but the real honest to goodness i wish i was dead i want to die i i have a plan when i get home tonight you know or cuts up the arm like more than i have ever seen in the past i would say that the self-harm has been huge this year for me, what I see with my kids. Oh, I believe that. Or they come and tell you, I mean, I know now whenever a student comes and I'm in a meeting or something, I am always asking, is it an emergency? Is someone hurt or is someone going to get hurt? Because it's just happening so frequently that I'm afraid to turn kids away without asking that first. Mm -hmm. So keeping on the topic of the social skills of what our kids are maybe lacking, Um, You know, we know there's a lack of research at this point on the impact of COVID on bullying and social skills. I looked a lot for some statistics on this and some research on this, and there is not research out yet. Mm -hmm. So all of you doctoral students who are (laughs) in school right now, uh, perhaps you might want to do a dissertation on the impact of COVID and bullying or social skills. And I'm sure the research is coming. It's just probably taking a minute. Probably. But it does take a while to gather that data and put it all together. Mm -hmm. But let's talk about what we're seeing in the schools. So our students are showing a lack of empathy. So this could look like mean social media posts all the time on TikTok, TikTok and Snapchat and Instagram. And they they don't even necessarily realize that they're doing something hurtful because they don't have those empathy skills. The notes they pass in class. Yeah. What do you want to say? I was going to say, I think part of it is they aren't used to seeing their face. Yeah. So they've been either at home and away from everyone. So they've only interacted through social media and 
They see no facial expressions. Mm-hmm. Or when they've been at school, it's been a mask mandate. So they spend all day in a mask. They don't see anyone's face. They don't see anyone frowning. They don't see that anymore. So they aren't registering one that it is hurtful because they're not seeing any indication yep. on someone's face that that's hurtful. But I think too, they kind of distance themselves from people. Like people are people and people have feelings too. Absolutely. I like to call sometimes keyboard warriors where you are behind your phone texting or messaging on Snapchat and you can say a lot of mean things and you don't necessarily feel that you're doing something wrong in the moment because you can't see the other person's reaction. Yeah. So they're just going, going, going. And then now that they're back in school, it it always gets brought into the building, right? These things might be happening in the evening, weekends, outside of school, during spring break. And then they come in on Monday and they're like, Mrs. Baldwin, so-and-so has said all these mean things about me on Snapchat. And I'm like, oh my goodness. Like, And then as soon as you bring those kids into the office and they see each other face to face, they typically realize, oh, that was not nice. <laughs> that was not nice. But they don't they don't have those empathy skills that they need to develop while being in person. Yeah, absolutely. Um, another thing besides the social media is the notes that they write each other. I know this year I've had some nasty, nasty notes written during school. You have had some nasty notes written during school. You're kids i don't know what is with your grade but your children write the best that might be sarcastic the best notes bully box reports Mm -hmm. they just go on and on with their writing skills i mean you're gonna have like journalists you're gonna have i say they do have good writing skills it's just maybe not directed (laughs) in the best way (laughs) they need to use their powers for good (laughs) yes and then the comments that they make in the hallways i know For sixth grade, we just did guidance lessons about treating each other appropriately in the hallways. That's hard. It's very hard. And sixth grade's hard. We know this as well. But again, these skills that our kids would be learning and developing while in school, COVID kind of set that back a couple of years. Um, And then another big one is troublemaking friends and being social. They haven't had to do it. They haven't. And... I mean, are you seeing that with your kids that are shy, especially the ones that are shy or timid are really, really struggling to go and talk to somebody because they haven't had to for so long that the coping skills that they built up, they've lost. Mm -hmm. And I know at our school, and I'm sure many schools have this as well, we still had to do assigned seating for a, a large part of the school year in the cafeteria for contact tracing and things like that. So when you walk into a big cafeteria and maybe you are new or don't have a lot of friends and you have to sit somewhere every day, that's a scary decision to make. And it's hard. I had kids crying the first week of school. The woes of the cafeteria. Oh, the cafeteria. And the cafeteria is loud and there's a lot going on. And it's, it's kind of overwhelming. It's, it's overwhelming for me. As an adult doing yeah. duty in there, I, sometimes I think our kids get overwhelmed. I would agree, especially the ones that, you know, have some sensory processing issues that struggle with that. They were so used to the quiet calm of eating in the classroom or maybe the teacher put on a movie or the kids were a little bit more chill to where the entire grade is in the cafeteria at one time. And it's just loud and overwhelming. Mm-hmm. I agree. 
Then moving on to academics, we all know that COVID really impacted the academics of our students. And so you might be thinking, guys, how do academics have anything to do with SEL skills? Well, I will get there. Don't worry. Uh, virtual learning is hard. It's hard. Like most students do not learn well when they are virtual. That's because they almost have to teach themselves. They do. And who can do that as a child? Most of them cannot. Right. (laughs) Most of them cannot. And so we know that they struggled learning from home. We also know that some of the assignments were tailored down and maybe the work was not as rigorous because some of our students had zero support. And I think this is really where the socioeconomics kind of step in and you are really starting to see a big divide. You have those students whose parents still worked and didn't work from home Mm -hmm. and or they had multiple jobs to try to pay the bills. And so they were not around to help academically or the parents that just don't have value or as much value in education. So they didn't help. Or even the ones where... You know, you had ones where parents were working and our students had to watch baby siblings. So, like, they didn't have time to do academics because they were full-time babysitters. Yeah. Or thinking about parents who lost their jobs and needed to find ways to meet the basic needs. That obviously takes precedent over education. Right. So, working from home was challenging. Mm -hmm. And I think now our students are coming back into the school where back to, I would say most of the country is probably back full-time in person. And we are seeing that our students are about a year and a half behind academically. Mm -hmm. Now I'm noticing like this year, our teachers have worked really hard to kind of fill in those gaps and, and close the gap, but our students are still struggling. And all of that filling in the gap, I think a lot of our teachers are still holding them accountable for where they should be. And yet they're a year and a half behind. So we're still having this level of accountability. And while they're coming up and getting closer to that, some of it is causing a lot more stress for our students because they're not used to that level of accountability and they're just mentally not there or they lack those academic skills. And so school is hard for them now. And so they have a lot of self-doubt. They have a lot of loss of confidence. And so they don't want to do school. So they're shutting down and they're not doing anything because they don't want to look stupid in front of their friends. We have parents that are concerned And so they're calling the school, requesting special education testing. And so most of our special education departments are not designed or equipped to handle all of our students that are just behind. They were designed to handle students with learning disabilities. And most of them, I would say, their resources were stretched thin to start with. And so now you have this influx of parents asking for special education testing and things like that. It's really putting a strain on our SPED departments. And so we need to look at some remediation techniques. We need to look at what we're doing as a full school to help meet these needs, to maybe do some small groups and meet these kids where they are to kind of bring them back up more slowly. That's a really great point. I think you hit the nail on the head with that one. That and then also like the 504s as well. The amount of 504s we're now seeing for kids with anxiety is increasing. So those are all things that we're experiencing right now in the education field. And it's, it's hard. Yeah. It's educators are overwhelmed and exhausted, exhausted. So, you know, before we get to our question of the day, we've talked a lot today of the impact and a lot of the 
I don't like the word negative, but it is the negative side effects of COVID. But there's hope. So make sure you listen next week, too, because we're going to talk more about what we can do. Yes. Yes. Come next week. Because I don't want you to sit here and think, man, this is a lot of of rough, hard stuff to hear. Because it is. But there's hope. Right? There is hope. This is like a cliffhanger. We'll finish I like next that. week. I like that. We'll finish next week with the you gotta you gotta to listen problems. to the whole COVID series to really get through. Yeah, don't be discouraged can... today. There's much more positive things to come. Love that. Okay, question of the day. You ready? Do it. All right. This is the last segment of our show. The question of the week. We want to hear from you guys and hear your tough questions. We are SEL Unfiltered for a reason. Email us your questions at podcast at themindtrack.com. All right, Michelle, here we go. Okay. Question. How do I measure my students' SEL skills? Ooh, good question. Mm-hmm. This is hard. Mm-hmm. And I think we often think of SEL as something separate than academics, and yet we're really pushing as a as counselors to make SEL important And when we do that, we need to align SEL a little bit more with academic standards. And so to do that, we need to measure our SEL skills. So I love this question. One way that we can do that is with pre and post tests. And this you're going to have to work out with your teachers or depending on how you do your SEL lessons. But you can do a simple pre and post test. This could be an exit survey on a a Google form. This could be a raise your hand if and just count. Uh, you can make it really simple. It could be one to three questions. It doesn't have to be huge and a big deal. You can also do observations. What are you seeing in your school? Are you seeing an improvement? What are your teachers saying that they're seeing in the school? And then data. This is your oh, favorite. You I love data. I love data because <laughs> it doesn't lie. True. It doesn't lie. It's honest. You get the cold, hard facts. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we don't like it, but it's needed to help you grow. It is needed. So with data, you can pull your discipline data. What are you seeing discipline-wise? And what are those issues? Are you seeing a lot of fights in the hallway? Are you seeing a lot of misuse of social media? What are you seeing in your discipline data? And then what are you seeing in your counseling requests? How many students are requesting to see you? How many students are you seeing every day because they're melting down in the middle of class? And last but not least, time out of the classroom. Take a look around and how many kids are out of the classroom? Are they in the office because they need a break? Are they in the office because they've completely melted down and they're disrupting class? Did they elope from class? Those are some key points that you can look at for data. And maybe you can grow your uh, SEL data from there and how you measure your skills. Maybe we need a whole episode on on this. Mm-hmm. This feels like a whole episode. It does. Because these right here are five ways to measure students' skills. Yeah. Okay. So look forward sometime (laughs) to us creating an episode on measuring your students' SEL skills. But until then, follow us on social media and please email us at podcast at themindtrek.com so that we can hear from you. This has been SEL Unfiltered. Thanks to our sponsor, the MindTrek SEL program, guiding people of all ages to make the impossible possible by giving them the tools to overcome stress, build stronger relationships, and climb their Everest. You can find them at themindtrek.com. 
If you have feedback or want us to answer your SEL questions, email us at podcast at themindtrek.com. We would love to hear from you. Join us next time to empower the SEL guide in you. Thank you.